You're listening to Roots. Everyone has a story. I'm your host, Mike Scazzari. This podcast is written and produced by me. Each week, I will feature a collection of interesting family stories, conversations, or interviews, and bring them directly to you. For more information, or to be featured on my show, please visit www.michaelscazzari.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me. Today is Thursday, November 2nd, 2023, and I'm coming to you with what is the real first official episode of this podcast. Um, What you're going to hear today, you're actually going to hear directly from my great-grandfather, Joseph Scazzari. This is a recording that I'll be sharing different sections of that we did on August 18th. 1996. We uh, would visit him on Sundays, typically after church. My father would take us and we would go see him and sit with him. Usually we'd bring him a hot dog from a local uh, hot dog joint here in New Jersey and just spend time with him. And this was right around the time that I started getting into my family history, as I mentioned in yesterday's episode, which was kind of a trailer, but a lead into to everything that's coming. This was right around the time I was getting into all of this. And we thought, why not start with the person that may have the most information? And, you know, being at the time, you know, he was he was 90 at the time of this recording. He had been in the nursing home for a year or two. Um, and we used to joke that he just had time on his hands because what would happen often was we would visit him and we would ask him something and not necessarily anything related to family history, just something in general. And he may not know the answer at the time, but he would then have all week to think about it. And you would come back and see him the following week. And he would say, Oh, that thing that you were asking about last week or that thing that we were talking about, here's what the answer is, or here's what the name is or or whatever it was. So we, we often used to joke that he, he had nothing but time to just think about all the, the things we would ask him. Um, so what you're, what you're going to hear today is a lot of that. We, we talked to him about his grandparents. We talked to him about coming to America. At one point he talks about going to school and he talks about his, his mom and his dad. And I'm going to interject in, into different things because some of it's pretty hard to, to hear, um, and I do apologize for the audio quality. This is not going to be the best. But keep in mind that this is a recording that at this point is 27 years old and was done on a cassette tape, on a boombox, in a nursing home. So I tried to edit it down as best I could. There's there's a lot of dead space in the recording, a lot of silence. Um, and a lot of that is just him thinking. So I, I, I removed all that and got to the meat of the, the conversation. Um but you will hear some background noise. You will hear, you know, some some people in the nursing home talking in the background. Um, but I did my best to kind of really get it to just the most important content of the interview with him. And, you know, it, it amazes me. And I'm so, so thankful that my my dad had the idea to record him because there's not a lot of audio with my great grandfather. Even though he was alive until 2004, 
there's not a lot of audio and there's definitely no other recordings like this where we are just talking to him and talking about family history. You'll see him on some home movies. You'll see him say hello or things like that. But you really get the chance in this recording to hear his voice, to kind of hear some of his mannerisms and the way he speaks um, and, and, and things like that. And for me, as, as time has gone on, this recording has just become more and more special to me because now, you know, next year, this coming January is going to be 20 years that he's gone, which is a crazy thought for me. But, you know, it is, it, it is what happens, you know, time, time waits for no one time moves on and having him around until, I was 20 years old was really truly a blessing we we often joke my wife and I were dating and I mentioned going to see my great-grandfather and she looked at me like I had three heads because you know she had lost all of her great-grandparents pretty much as a child some you know a little bit later into her her preteen type years but definitely no one that was there through high school uh, let alone college um, so the fact that I had him for as long as I did was an absolute blessing. Um, I do wish that we had had the opportunity to record my great grandmother, his wife, but unfortunately she had Alzheimer's at the end. Her, her mind was, was not there. Uh, she basically only spoke Italian at the end. She would, she would talk to us in Italian, but we, we didn't, we couldn't respond as kids. So there was really a lot of uh, translating that would happen with her between my my grandfather or her sisters and us, um, but I'm I'm completely certain that she knew a lot about her family. Um, I just had the, never had the opportunity to talk to her about it. So with all that said, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pass the recording over here to this little snippet, and and you'll hear here. This is my. My dad, you're going to hear him mostly. Um, you're going to hear him asking him questions. And in this first section, we are talking to my great-grandfather and trying to get the names of his grandparents, his his paternal grandparents, his dad's parents. Um, and, you know, there was some struggle when we first started asking these questions, but he did get to a point where he realized who we were asking about because for someone, again, that was 90, when you start suddenly asking about people that were were deceased for over a hundred years at this point, which I, I didn't know at the time, but now I know. It's no wonder it took him a long time to to realize who we were actually asking about. Um, you know, these are like I said, these are people that were alive a long, long time ago. So getting the chance to to bring this up to him and actually have him recall the names and and things like that is just uh it's really it really is a blessing to me to be able to sit here and not only listen to this and and hear him because i could i could close my eyes and and remember this day I, re I remember where i was sitting in the nursing home and i remember the boom box and i remember you know putting the tape in and recording him and and all of that so to be able to sit here and listen to his voice and now to be able to share it with everyone is really uh it's really an honor so i'm gonna i'm gonna step out i'm gonna put this recording in and have a listen and we will be back shortly grandchildren was my he, he was my grand 
grandpa. Nicola was his grandpa. Nicola was your grandpa. My grandpa. Right. And he had ten children? He had ten children. He had ten children. It was about 35, he was 30 or 35 years old. Right. And that's what I have written down. Right. And, uh, when he, he was at the age of 30, 35, he had ten children. Right. Do you know their names, though? Nicola overhead. But what were the names of the ten children? What was the name of the, the ten children? Yeah. One was Nicolo. Nicolo. Okay, I'm going to pop back in for a second just to talk a little bit about this. Because what you just heard, when when this was happening in real time, we were absolutely fascinated at the information that he was sharing with us. We had known that his grandfather was the father of about 10 children. The story was always that he was 30 or 35 years old. But this was the first time we were we were trying to get some of the names. And some had been mentioned in passing in other visits, but we were we were really trying to get as much information as we can from him. You know, I kind of laugh at the approach we took because if you listen to the full tape, which like I said has a lot of silence, has a lot of thinking going on, we were saying, you know, what were their names? And, oh, but what's the birth order? And who was born first? And who died first? And it, we were throwing a lot of questions at him, which we we probably should have just let him talk and let it come out in a more natural way. But we we did what we did. So what you what you hear here are just, like I said, these are snippets of the conversation. But what I do find interesting is that as time has gone on, the story pretty much lines up with the documents that I've, I've found. So what I know about Niccolo and his wife, who you'll hear him mention shortly, is that he was born in 1828 on June 21st. He died on July 31st, 1867. He was only 39 years old when he died. So I don't even think my great-grandfather knew that, that his grandfather died so young. Um, but I do know that he was the father of nine children that I know about. He does mention right at the end there that one of the children was named Niccolo, which I find interesting because that's a name I don't have for a child right now. So right now I'm aware of nine children. Uh, the names are An Antonino, Ignazio, Antonino again. They A lot of times they reuse the same names if a child died, um, and the first one died in this case. Uh, they had a son named Giuseppe. They had a son named Vincenzo, a daughter Maria. Then Salvatore came, which is my great-grandfather's dad, and then two daughters named Conchetta and Philomena. Um, so if there was a Niccolo, it's very possible that he was the oldest. Um, but as of right now, there is no, I, I found no birth record for that child. So I'm going to, I'm going to step out again. I'm going to play the rest of this piece of him talking about his grandparents. So enjoy the rest of this part of the interview. Yeah, sure. I remember the name. My father was one, that Niccolo was married to a name, 
พูดมาเทียในที่ที่มาเทียสโกสมาเทียสโกสบอกโอเรจะจะเนี่ยนะจะ husband and the husband and the wife They always, they always carry around like oh. that. Why? See, like my father was married. Spoto Maria. So what you just heard is him trying to explain to us how the names in Italy worked. Um, what he was what he was trying to explain was that women women carry the name of their father with them. So in Italian records, oftentimes what you see is the the wife will be listed as Maria Spoto, wife of Salvatore Scazzari. It's not like we see in America where women take the the surname of their husband. Over there, they they maintain their maiden name. So his mother was always known as Maria Spoto, which is her maiden name. Um, he was talking about his, his grandparents, Niccolo, and his grandmother, Mattia. And you even hear him spell it. He says M-A-T-T-I-A, like that. And he, he couldn't quite get to her maiden name, but it was a name that he, he knew and he often uh, mentioned to me. So he was, he was very much aware of that. So there's there's one uh, more section to this this part of the interview which I'm I'm going to drop in here now. So enjoy. When did he die? When he died? Yeah. Years and years ago. My father, my father was a son of Nicolau. He had a son. Oh, my father's name is Salvatore. Right. He had another name. It was Antonio. Antonio. I always laugh at the question of when did he die? Because looking back, it had just that July, July 31st. This was August 18th of 1996. That July 31st, so, you know, a few weeks before, was the 129th anniversary of his grandfather's death. So looking back, it's hysterical that we asked that question, but we also didn't know. I mean, his grandfather could have been alive when he was a young boy. It just turns out that his grandfather actually died when his dad was only four or five years old. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, August 21st would have been his fifth birthday, um, Salvatore's birthday, his father. And his dad died in in on July thirty first. So, his dad lost his dad at a very young age. So, you know, the fact that we asked that question again, not knowing, but still looking back, I I, I find it pretty funny. Um, so that that concludes this kind of section about him talking about his grandmother and his grandfather. His grandmother died in eighteen eighty six. So again, he never had the chance to know her. She died twenty years before he was born. So both of them were gone well before he came along. 
which is, you know, which is sad because, you know, being somebody that grew up with my grandparents and my great grandparents, it's crazy to think that he, he didn't know his, um, his dad's parents. Um, you know, his, his mom's mom and dad were around when he was a child. Um, he talks about his mother, Maria Spoto. Um, we know that her dad, uh, Nazio, uh, died in 1907. So he was a, a infant when his his grandfather passed away but his grandmother her name was Vincenzo Orlando or Orlando I'm not sure how you would say it over there but she passed away in 1912 so he would have been six years old so we never we never touched on that side of the family I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that his mother died when he was young but it is something that I I wish I asked more about was his mother's side of the family like I said we we were able to get the story from him about his his grandpa his grandfather specifically being 30 or 35 and having the 10 children like i said i know of nine of them he mentions that there was a son named nicolo very well could be the case i've not found a birth record for a nicolo but you know going back and listening to this interview kind of makes me want to go back and take another look at those records and see if i could find that 10th child um, the story was pretty, pretty close. The 30 or 35, he, Nicolo was actually 38 when the last child was born. So I think they, you know, like a lot of stories, they use the 30 or 35, uh, piece of the, the story is just like a, a roundabout number. He was 30, 35. They probably didn't know exactly. They just knew the guy was pretty young and he had a lot of kids. So I always found that to be, um, very interesting that the the story does line up with with the records and that's that's always something that's very satisfying for me because when you take information directly from a a primary source like a great-grandparent who was around for a lot of this or may have heard it in a secondary kind of a way it is amazing when you look at everything years later and find out that wow the story was actually pretty close may not be exactly what the story was but it's close and and I always I always give extra points I really am very thankful that I had this time with my great-grandfather to talk about his family and and learn more about them so the next part of this interview we're gonna go into is actually him talking about coming to the United States I'm gonna let the interview play and then I'm gonna come back in and interject some of the things I have learned about the family about the trip to America, about the timelines and, and kind of where people went and where they spent their time. But for now, I'm going to I'm going to step out again and enjoy this next part of the show. See, we came to the United States in 1920. 1920. 1st of September, we got here in New York. So, I was only 14 years old. 14? Uh-huh. I was 14 years old. I had my brother, Tom, name. He was 20 years old. Uh-huh. Oh. And my brother, Nicolo, he came to, he had a, he, he had a bell on the house, of course, he was the first one 
came to the United States. Oh. He came to the United States. I think it was in about uh, 19. After that he we came over here. After he came over here, nobody could come over here no more during the war time. When you came to this country, you came to Ellis Island. Yeah. We went to see Ellis Island. When we came over here with my father, but, under my father Salvador. But you came to Ellis Island. Huh? You came to Ellis Island. Yeah. We, we went to see Ellis Island. You went to see him? To see Ellis Island. We went to see the island where you came in, in New York. Name? In New York. Yeah. We we went to see it. Yeah. We liked it. When I came over here, in this country here, in 1920. 1920? 1920. Was me. With you? And my brother, Tom. Me and my brother, Tom. And my father. My father was a head man. He was a. He was my father. And we, and we came over here. What you want to do with your shit? Another word. In 1920, first of September, we got over here. First of September, you came in. First of September, in New York. Right to Ireland, New York, New Jersey, Iowa. September first, nineteen twenty. First in New York. What? What was the name of the ship? Do you remember? The ship? Yeah. Yes, I remember the ship too. What was the name of the ship? The ship was named. Was German line, German because German line. Oh, they they German line. Sure, I remember the ship. We came to. With a boat, with a big ship. Came with a big ship. In 1920, a German, who belonged to the Germany, maybe before the war time. Before the war time, like, you know. I remember, I, I got in my mind. I know what it is. Niccolo came with No, Niccolo was my brother. He was over here before us. Was it a whole year? Could it have been one year before you? Oh no, more. Oh, more than a year? Sure. 
two, three years? Uh, it was one year, sure, because. So he came over here just before the war broke Before the war broke out. In other words, with the, with the war what was going on 1917. Oh, that's when the war started? That's the world war. Okay. And he came before and, that? And, and nobody was allowed to come to the United States no more. Of course, I'm kind of war. Oh. I'm kind of submarine. Oh, okay. Because of the submarines. Okay, so we learned a lot there about his trip to America and the fact that he came in 1920. He came with his dad, Salvatore, and his brother, Tom, and they... They always used September 1st as the arrival date. The truth of the matter is they actually arrived August 28th, 1920. Um, they did travel aboard a German ship. The, uh, the ship was renamed shortly before they came to America. The, the actual name, which he, he could not remember, but he was certain for years he would talk about the ship. And he knew that it was a German liner. And he kept saying it was a German ship. It was a big ship. He, re he remembered it. And he, he, knew, he knew that detail about it. And he just could not remember the actual name of the ship. And what I find absolutely amazing to this day, this is still something that gives me chills as it happened. Because we, you have to understand, we talked about this a lot. We asked him about the ship. And we, we talked about his, his trip to America for years after this. This is 1996. He died eight years later. So we had eight more years of conversations, of course, none of which were recorded, but eight more years of conversations where we talked about his trip to America and and the ship and everything that he he went through as a young boy coming on that ship. And on the day that we buried him, he died on January 2nd, 2004, on January 6th, 2004, we came home from the funeral and I was on my computer looking at things and I found the name of the ship. And it was the Fer Ferdinando Palaciano is the name of the ship. It was it was renamed, and I may be mispronouncing that name exactly, but um, it, it was named after a Italian, um, he was a physician and a politician. And it was very clear that it was it was a uh, German German ship before that, the SS Koenig Albert is what it was called, and it was it was renamed uh, as the SS Ferdinando Palaciano on June fifteenth, nineteen twenty. So that's only you know weeks, maybe a month and a half before he actually left to come to America. Um, I guess it's about two months. They left in the middle of August, so June fifteenth, the ship was renamed. And then it ran until April. So it didn't make a lot of trips back and forth between America and, and Italy. But he was one of those, those trips that it did, it did make. Um, it says that it's a hospital ship. And, you know, it, it was around for several years. But it, it was a German line. And he was 100% correct in those statements. Um, it's also interesting there that he talks about 
uh, his brother Nick and his brother's journey to America. And I remember just being absolutely stunned when he talked about the submarines because you don't think about those things all the time. You think about, oh, the people were just coming to America. But if you if you listen to his words, he doesn't say World War One. He calls it the war. He calls it the World War. That was a, a life-changing event for him. And I, I often think about my generation or my parents' generation. We talk about Vietnam or we talk about September 11th. There's there's certain events that happen in your life that just shape you and it's a, it's a mark in time that you'll never forget. And for my great-grandfather, World War I was definitely one of those things. He would have been about 11 when the war started. Um, he had just lost his mother in 1916 and, and that's a story that I'll probably end up devoting an entire podcast to because it's still... To this day, one of the most incredible, heart-wrenching, emotional stories I've ever heard. And he used to tell the story over and over. But it's really, for me, just listening to him talk about these things and, and, and the way he was shaped by these events in his life is just simply amazing. And it it makes me have a love for him more now. And also, you know, I'm, I'm 20 years removed from having him around. So going from being 20 years old at the time of his passing to now turning 40 soon, you know, I'm obviously a very different person than I was back then. But listening to his stories and listening to the words that he used and, you know, I love little things like he, he refers to my father as Dougie. And that's what he always called him. People call my father Doug. But he always he always called him Dougie, and you hear that, and it's just it's it's really cool. It's really special to hear that stuff, and hearing him talk about his siblings is just really amazing. Um, the story with Nick, his brother, is that he came to this country in 1917. He was the oldest. Their mom had just died the year before, which I kind of briefly mentioned, and I I don't know what the decision was that made them come here, but. I'm I'm going to guess it was for economic stability and things like that. And having been a, a widower, their father, maybe it was just time for, for a new life and a new beginning. So Nick came here in 1916, and he actually ended up in West Virginia when he first came here. He was working in a coal mine down in West Virginia. And that's not something that was ever discussed with the family. But when I found those records, I... I was amazed to see that because that's not something that we knew and he he got here he went down there and 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 worked in a mine and then was basically stuck here by himself for three years while the war went on and you hear my great-grandfather talk about the submarines and things like that and that's the reason that they were delayed so they came three years later and they went to Brooklyn at first. I always thought they went to Patterson, but they actually went to Brooklyn for a little while. And Uncle Nick came up there to be with them. And then eventually they settled in Patterson. And that's where they basically remained for years. That's the houses that they lived in and, and, and where they stayed. Um, you know, there was some time in Garfield and some neighboring towns. So I guess when I, I talked about him yesterday on the trailer episode saying he only lived in about four places. There were more than that. Um, but when you when you consider places that were crucial and significant for their their life Patterson was was the place where it really um that's where they really you know kind of called home and, and things like that um so 
you know, like I said, Nick came in 1917. Three years later, everybody else came. And then uh, the rest is kind of history. So for this next and final part of the interview, it's a little bit of a mishmash, but it's it's things I, I didn't want to leave out. Um, there's one part here. It's a completely independent clip, but you just hear him say the names of his parents and you hear him say it so proudly. You know, my father, Salvatore Scazzari, my mother, Spoto Maria, and he's very clear with his parents' names. And it's just, it's a clip that I didn't want to leave out because I just love hearing him say their names. So you'll hear that. And then you're going to hear a little bit about him going to school and and um, some of his childhood stuff. So enjoy. My mother's name, Spoto Maria. And my father named Salvatore Scorsari. When I used to go to school on the other side, was up to, I went to school away. I was only about third. Third grade? You went to school till grade to third grade. I went to school? Yeah. Yeah. On the other side? Yeah. yeah. To third grade. I went to school. To third grade. Third grade. Yeah. Third grade. And it probably started the fourth grade and I then I went to work or something. And my brother, Nicolo, was over over there. He was over here. He was the highest. Oh, that's something. Matia. Did she come to this country too? She, she was the first. She was the oldest child oh, okay. who my father had. Okay. Oh, she's the oldest. She was, she was older than Nick? She was the first child. Oh, then who, Nick? First was Mattia. Mattia. Then Nicholas. Nicholas, Tom. And then you. And then me. Oh. He's the youngest. You're, you're the youngest. I think that had, she had more than me. She had what? I mean, I think there were more. Children? Sure. She had eight more children than you? So that means she had 11. Over there, they would say one or two. Okay, so what we just heard there is one of my favorite parts of the entire interview we had with him. And I, I believe I mentioned this previously. But he talks about the fact, and it gets a little confusing because he's talking about his sister, and then he's talking about his brothers, and then he's talking about his mother. And in the last part you just heard, my father says, oh, that means she had 11. What he's not what he's actually not saying what he's really saying there is that there were there were the four of us meaning the the siblings that we knew his sister Mattia and his brothers Nick which is Niccolo Uncle Tom which is Tommaso and himself so three boys and a, and a girl who was the oldest 
what he was actually trying to say is that there were there were seven or eight total. So my you heard my dad say, oh, that means there was 11. What he's actually trying to say is that there were four and then there were there were more. So we weren't it, 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 it it's hard to hear. And I, I cut out the parts where we kind of go back and forth. But what he was trying to say was it's not it's not four plus seven. It's four and a total of seven. So he was he was trying to say there were three more, and he he didn't know the names. He didn't he didn't really have anything to add other than there there were more. He was trying to say it wasn't just us. It wasn't just the four of us. My mother had more, and one we know about because one was it's the pivotal story about his mother and her her death. There was a boy that died that was younger than him, and I'll I'll get into that story. Like I said, that's gonna probably be an entire episode just on its own. Um, but that boy was named Vincenzo and he was 10 years younger than my great grandfather. And that's part of the reason his mother died was she had complications from that birth. But we were able to find um, another boy born about two years before my great grandfather, whose name was also Giuseppe like him. And the thing you have to keep in mind with a lot of this is when you lost a child, if you were to have another child of the same sex, you would name that child after the one that died. So many, many times you'll see three children named Salvatore and then a fourth one that lives, or in this case, a Giuseppe that passed away and then a Giuseppe that was born who then lived. And it was, it was common practice back then. I've heard different reasonings for it. I've heard that they believe that the new child took on the spirit of the old child. I've heard that it's just to honor them. There's no real concrete reason as to why they did it, but I think both of those things kind of hold water. Um, so so where, where we land with his siblings is that his sister, Mattia, was the oldest. She was born actually on their father's birthday. She was born on August 21st, 1891. Um, she married, we can talk about her family in um, some more detail at a later time, then Uncle Nick came, Niccolo. There was a daughter named Vincenza. She only lived about a year. And then we had Uncle Tom, which is Tommaso. The first Giuseppe who passed away, then my great-grandfather, and then his his young brother, Vincenzo. So those were the seven. Um, I'm sure I kind of tripped up in trying to explain why my father said 11. It's not 11. It's, it's really, it's seven total. So that that back and forth was him saying you know there was four of us and then there were seven and it's not that there's 11 there was there were seven total um and it's possible there were more but those were the ones that he knew about and i'm sure they were talked about because it was not easy back then and it was common to lose children so i i think in some ways they did talk about it you may see other cases where the family didn't talk about it but he seems to have come from a family that was very vocal about those things because he he knew about his brother. He obviously knew about the other siblings. So it's just, it's very, very interesting to me how much he knew. And considering that he was the youngest that, that lived of the kids, usually you don't give the youngest credit for knowing too much about their family. Um, I remember years ago, I was I was teasing my brother about how much he knew about the family. And he, he didn't know as much as I thought he would know. But you know, being the youngest, you're not always at the adults table listening and, and hearing you're, you're kind of playing and doing your thing and you don't always get the stories. So it's still to this day, it's fascinating to me that he knew as much as he did. And I'm, I'm very appreciative that he, he did know that and that he was willing to share as much as he did with us. 
So I'm going to pause here. I'm going to drop in the last little section of this, this part of the interview, and then we'll wrap things up. When did she die? When did she die? My brother Tom. And the reason why during the war time, my brother Tom got rejected to go to the army. How come? How come? How come? It was maybe about a half an inch shorter from the height. She's with her daughter now. So you had to get a, a second examination to go to the army, like you know. But by the time they called him again to get a reject to he was already in the United States. Oh. Uh, I don't know why I have wrap him and put him on the army right away. Okay, so in that section you hear him talking about his brother Tom. You hear my dad trying to ask him when his sister died, which he, he didn't know. Um, it turns out his sister died in 1963. That's actually some of the most recent information I found out about the family is about her, um, that she died on March 16th, uh, 1963 in the Torino region of, of Italy. So she was all the way in Northern Italy. Uh, so no longer in Sicily where the family is from. She, she moved herself up there. Um, but more on that at a later time. What I find interesting there is him talking about his, his brother, Tom, and not being tall enough to be in the Italian military, that he was about a half an inch too short. Um, I want to say Uncle Tom was somewhere around five foot five, five foot four, something like that. So not too big. I could be a little bit off there, but they, these were not tall people. I mean, myself being six feet tall, I was like a giant compared to all of them. Um, so the fact that they were he was too short to to make the the cut for the military for world war one is is pretty interesting and the fact that he talked about that they tried to then come back and draft him and he was already gone that part i find just amazing because he had left and he had come to america and then the government said oh you know what we'll take you anyway and he was gone and the very last piece you hear him talking about there is he said they would have they would have grabbed him right away and put him in the military. And I think they they clearly dodged a bullet with that. And none of them had to to serve in the military. There were other cousins and things that served in the military, um, but none of the immediate family for my great grandfather anyway. So that was um, that was something that I always found very interesting. Um, so, so with that said, that, that wraps up this episode, uh, hearing from my great-grandfather from a, a 27-year-old recording. Um, again, I apologize for the quality. That's why I'm doing these interjections where I'm kind of coming back and explaining 
what you hear because it is a little bit difficult to hear some of what he's talking about but you you hear by the end how he was getting very much on pace with us and and he was now all right we're talking about things that happened a long time ago and you hear that conversation starting to flow more and more because we had him in the mindset if you if you listen to the raw recording the first five or ten minutes you basically can kind of hear the room going wait what are we talking about who when why and as as it went on the whole thing is about 45 minutes long i believe maybe a half an hour um the whole thing uh you know condensed into these these three kind of sections i think i think this was the best way to share it so i'm gonna i'm gonna conclude here i really appreciate everybody taking the time the time to listen to the show um if you can please please share it please share it with uh any family friends um if you like and subscribe to the channel that really helps i can start to you know do some more with it as as i get more and more followers and again i'm starting with family stories things that i think are interesting and as time goes on i want to i want to bring it to the public and have have people i don't know come on and talk about their favorite family stories and and why they got into genealogy and all those other things because again the the name of the show everyone has a story it's there for a reason and and hearing the stories is really what fuels my my love for this hobby because it's something that unless you start to record them and write them down the stories are what get lost over time and the stories are what define our relatives you know i could write on a piece of paper that my great grandfather was born in 1906 came to america in 1920 died in 2004 and that doesn't give you any of the context you don't get to hear other bits and pieces about how he he lived through world war one and how he came to america but had to wait for the submarines to be done and i i didn't even touch on the the other stories he would tell us but the one I'll, I'll leave you with quickly is getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go stand online for a piece of bread. And he would tell us that sometimes he would get a teeny little piece of bread, two, three inches long. And that was what fed his family for the day. So it was, it was not an easy upbringing. And it's one that I, I really, I, I appreciate him and my, my great grandmother. She came 10 years later with him. I appreciate them making the sacrifice to come because the, the life that we're able to to live in this country is just one that we you know they could never have imagined back then and you know we we owe a lot of debt and gratitude to them for their sacrifices and hearing them talk about their lives and hearing him talk about it on tape is something that i'm i'm very very thankful to have so with that said thank you for joining me today uh again i'm mike scazzari this is roots everyone has a story Please like and subscribe and I will talk to you all soon. Take care.